I think there was a changing of the guard last night between these two teams. They just thought psychologically they had Philly's number until last night. Griefen had a tough first half because they had Embiid on him mm -hmm. last night. He makes the big block on Kyrie. Definitely the most dominant player on both on both ends of the court right now, and he's showing it. Once you come to L.A. and get this L.A. lifestyle, uh, you, it would be hard to go back to that cold. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Matt Barnes sits with Colin Coward to explain why Doc Rivers not joining the Lakers is a bad look for LeBron. Matt Barnes, uh, NBA champ, good seeing you. Um, so you played two years with Doc Rivers. Um, and, you know, Doc's, and I say this as almost with affection, he's got an ego, he likes his money, likes his power, he's earned it. He's got a point of view. I've never thought he and LeBron's camp are a perfect fit. <laughs> I think they have a strong world view. Yeah. I didn't really buy Doc to the Lakers, did you? I actually did from the standpoint of, I know that was, it's been mentioned that that was his goal before he retired, either the Lakers or the, or the Knicks. Um, and once you come to L.A. and get this L.A. lifestyle, uh, you, it would be hard to go back to that cold. Um, but from the outside looking in, me, I, I would think that the, the Clippers are heading in such an amazing direction. I wouldn't see why he would want to jump. Great owner, nice roster. Right, you know what I mean? And, two, you know, opportunity to get two max players. There's a lot of dysfunction on the other side right now. But like I said, uh, you know, Doc is a strong mind, strong-willed coach who, who speaks his mind. And for, in order for that to work, you would have to get LeBron's blessing, I feel. Yeah, you would have to. Whoever they get, what is the key in coaching LeBron, in your opinion? Um, I think it has to be something I had similar when I played with the Lakers with uh, Phil Jackson and Kobe. Phil would talk to Kobe like he was the 12th or 13th man. You know, at the same time, they had the mutual respect, but it was he would never, Kobe was never bigger to, than, than the team in Phil's eyes. You know, he always held him accountable and everything. And that would be have to be the same situation with the coach of, with LeBron. Like, they, they can't allow him. Not that he tries too often, but there are certain situations where he probably needs to be called on, and, and they, they need a coach that can call, call him out on that. Well, Doc can do that. Now, Doc can bark. Yeah. yeah Doc, Doc and I got in a, a, a barking match, and, and that's why I got traded. So I know, <laughs> I know Doc can bark well. <laughs> no, no. And I like Doc, but he, yeah. there, Doc has – he sees the world a certain way, right, and right. if you don't fit into it, right. you're out of there. Yeah, and I, and I love what he's doing considering everything that's going on with the team and, and the trades they've made and guys coming and going – the way he has these guys playing and believing in one another and believing in the system and, and really putting a great product out there despite not having a true quote-unquote superstar. Yeah, play their butts off, good bench. Lakers gave him Zubach, which I didn't get. <laughs> right. Who got that move? Like, right. he's a nice, big, you know. Solid, skilled, Rim big, protector. Yeah. Right. Good for them. Um, so, we, Joy and I were just talking about two things in the NBA. So Kyrie said, I'm going to rest for a couple of days before the playoffs. I, I've never had a problem with it. If if you're a veteran team, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, and, and home court isn't a make or break. I mean, mm -hmm. they can go and win in Philly. They can mm -hmm. go and win in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. But how many games off late is too much? Yeah. I mean, like, like well, Boston's be, not playing great today right. either, Matt. You made a great point that, you know, you normally want to be on a good, you know, span while if you decide to take a seat. And my only thing is if he takes consecutive games off two, three, maybe four in a row, and they go 4-0. Oh. 
you know, that's already been a dysfunctional locker room and they're already kind of like, we've done this without you, Kyrie. You know, we just showed again, we weren't playing very well before you sat and then you sat and we start playing well. So I just think they have to be very careful with everything that's going on, take all that consideration. And if he does sit, it should probably be a, a game or two here, or a game or two. I wouldn't do like an extended span because if they happen to go 4 0, that's going to bring more trouble to the locker room. No, I that becomes you. a story. I that promise you. becomes a narrative. And no guy, question. You know, it's not just that we make stuff up. You go 5 0 if Kyrie sits. Guys in the right. locker room. There's no, because like they did it last year. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's been a lot of. If the if the LeBron Laker didn't dominate this year's basketball headlines, that Boston locker room would have been scrutinized a little bit more because there was a lot of dysfunction over there. And from a former player, I don't have to be in there. I can tell with the body language and the way people cheer on the bench and the way they look at each other and missed high fives. Like you see all that stuff, you know. But I think the fact that the Lakers overshadowed the NBA this year, we didn't really look too deeply into that Celtic locker room. That's a really good point. Matt Barnes, 14 <laughs> NBA seasons, won a title with the Warriors, and by the way, played in the NC tournament. Four years, three or four, four, four. years. But you yeah. went Sweet Sixteen like three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun little run. We had, we had a great. You know, college was outside of having children. The NBA was a blessing. College was the best time of my life. So I enjoyed. It college. was absolutely. You UC- love college. Oh, UCLA was a blast. I wish I. I told my twins there. They're talking about going to UCLA. I told them to be like Van Wilder and get an apartment on campus when they go to <laughs> UCLA. So I can- <laughs> That's funny. No, you slay was a blast. Oh, good for you. I'd love to hear that. Um, So, listen, I am now, everybody in the world thinks I hate Westbrook. I always say, don't hate the player. There are times I hate his game. So, Oklahoma City started the year, and they were really good, and they were kind of running stuff through Paul George. Now, Russell's taking more shots, um, and I've always had this kind of belief, Matt, that you can fake it for a while. But you can only suppress who you truly are for so long. It doesn't matter if it's your girlfriend. It doesn't matter. So date a while before you get married because people can fool you for a long time. Westbrook is incredibly intense, sometimes to the point of being rigid. And here we go again at the end of another season. He is unraveling a little bit. Can we, even if you love him, can we acknowledge they're the only team out West that's now struggling like badly? And the offense looks a little more Westbrook-centric? Uh, I'm someone that loves Wes, and I just think sometimes with him, less is more. And, I, you know, I've commended him early in the season to, to finally kind of taking a backseat and being okay with being Robin, even though he has Batman talent, to be able to be Robin because he can do so many ga- things and affect the game on both ends so well. And Paul George is just a special player. So we saw how, you know, scary that team was at stretches during the season when the, when the offense ran through uh, Paul. Um, you know, whether it's rush shooting more, their lack of depth, or their app, their ability to actually shoot the ball They're from the three-point gr- line. They don't good. really have very good uh, three-point shooters. So that can all play into uh, what's going on here. But uh, to be honest with you, I mean, they're in an eighth spot, but they're tied for sixth, aren't they? No, they're eighth now. That's what I said, eighth. But aren't they all seven games back? Yeah, if the, I'm not mistaken, they're, they're they, just tiebreaker they have, stuff. Yeah, they have ten left. They've got four toughies, like Houston, right. Milwaukee, at Toronto. Then they have a sneaky yeah. fifth tough one. They have to go to Memphis. But Memphis the, is sneaky good at home. But they've proven they can beat all those teams. You know what I mean? I, I think with you know Wes and, and Paul as their leaders, um, hopefully they can figure it out. But like I said, even though they're, they're in the A spot currently, they're seven back. Um, they're capable of beating absolutely anybody in the NBA. So, you know, I look to, I, I look to them to still be regardless – Eight six, uh, eight seven six, a scary out in the, in the playoffs. How would you have that conversation with a star player? I want you to be Robin. How would you? How would you? You would hope that he would see it. 
you would hope that he wouldn't need to to have that conversation. Um, like I said, because he has Batman talent. No, no, no you question. You know what I mean? So you would think uh, the older he gets and he continues to just understand the game and expand his mind as a player, um, you would see like, hey, you know, we had a heck of a streak when I was – Paul was scoring 30, 35 a game. You know what I mean? And now my shots are up about seven or eight shots a game from what they were at All-Star break. And we're struggling a little bit. So you would hope he would see uh, that a little bit. And just overall, he's had a rough shooting year, period. Yes, you know free what I mean? throws. And you think as a scorer, and I'm sure I've never been on his level at all, but you think, you know, you continue to shoot, you're going to get out of it. And this just has to happen this season for yeah. him. So, you know, I hope they can figure it out. Yeah, good seeing you. By the way, uh, uh, college basketball, Zion Williamson, 30 seconds. If you were a GM in the league, what do you see as a pro from Duke Zion Williamson? I'm taking him. I'm, I'm, I'm taking him number one. And what I like about him is he's a very strong player, but you can tell even in college his game isn't based off strength. It's skill. He's he, got a beautiful he, touch. He can bully people if he has to, and he's going to learn how to do that at the next level, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see that day. But it's, his game isn't dependent on that. So yeah. I love him. I think he has. I think he has a really soft touch. Right. I mean, and, and, and a nice around hand, the basket, a nice and a nice quick handle around the basket. Like that's tricky for considering how big he is, and, and to be able to go behind the back between the legs real quick in a tight space, considering he's big as a Buick. Um, you know, I love what he can do. Um, you know, you got to think too, and his job for the rest of his career will be just to learn how to shoot. Yeah, it's your only job: learn how to shoot. Great seeing you, bud. Good to be seen. Next, Steven Jackson joins Nick and CeCe to discuss the chances of LeBron ever winning another championship. All right, Steven, you think LeBron will ever win a title in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, he has a chance to win a title as long as he's playing. I think he's, st I think he's still that good. I mean, Kobe giving him the best advice you can give him. Mm -hmm. you, ca you came out, you did what you could. Obviously, the team wasn't the team you wanted it to be going, to going towards the playoffs. So just deal with it. It happens. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of top five, top ten players that that's made, had seasons where they didn't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So this is nothing. They know they're going to build this team. They know they're going to bring some players in. Do what you've been doing, LeBron. Have great off seasons. Work your butt off in the summer and be ready for next year. In your opinion, aside from obviously stay healthy, mm -hmm. what's the biggest thing LeBron should do if you were giving him advice differently next year? Nothing. This, this man spends millions of dollars on his body every year. There's nobody in greater shape now. He had a little injury this year, but that's for the time. This, this guy's been in the finals, what, seven straight years? Eight, eight, eight straight, straight years. So it, it, it happens, you know, it happens. Well, it was also it, a fluke injury, too. And, and it wasn't that serious, you know. It was more of holding him back for the playoff run. So, I mean, do, this, do, it, do the same thing you've been doing all these years, LeBron. You don't do nothing different. You're still great. You're going to be better next year. If it was me, I'd give him some suggestions. And number one thing would be his body. I would try to get my weight down as low as possible. As you get older, your joints can't take the type of impact that it's in. So, so for me, I know he spends a lot of money with this trainer. I would try to come down with an ideal different weight because as you get older, you need to play with less weight compared to with more, with more weight. Another thing. I would try to go back to working in the low post. We know your passing skills are great. We know your ball handling is great. But I would go back to working into the post because that would be some way that I could rest on the offensive end or it would provide another weapon. If I surround myself with all these shooters, LeBron in the low post is dangerous. And he's also, you can be a playmaker from the low post. And then the third thing to be able to finish out my career He's got to be able to shoot free throws better because in those critical games, it's going to come down to him being able to make free throws, drawing, free, drawing fouls, and getting to that free throw line. So even LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, there's three things you need to do immediately. 
Now, it might be five pounds. It might be a couple percent of body weight. But as you get older, your body cannot take it. If you look at the greatest players that have ever played, what did they do late in the game? Kobe was different in his fifth championship. Tim Duncan was different. Not only the style of the game, but his body weight was different for that fifth championship he got. Carl Malone, as he got older, he didn't get bigger. Man, he stayed in shape because Carl Malone could run. Man, he ran that court. That's one thing that Shaq, that's what robbed Shaq right. of some. He went the other way with it. And Shaq I, got bigger instead of I small. just have not seen players, all right, and regardless of what sport they play in, as they get older, you have to look that my ideal weight is not my ideal weight anymore. I'm 34, 35, 36. I need to be able to get down to something where I could function. That was something that really helped me, my training staff. We got down to 211 pounds when I had been in the league 16 years. All right, and that was the and that idea. was down from where, see? It was down from 215. Okay, so. You know, so and I had played as high as 218. But at that point, it was time to drop down. And, man, I hadn't been that low since my first few years in the league. So your weight, the same way your first five years in the league, your weight's going to be totally different than in your prime of your career. But at the back end, man, help your, uh, help your body out. Help your joints out. Uh, the, free, the free throw part, that's guaranteed. I mean, you shouldn't even have to say that. We consider him the best player in the league. You got to make free throws. I don't think, I don't think at this point in his career you can get that. If you ain't got it in all those big games you didn't play in, I don't think that's going to get better. I, I just think that's just him, folks. You can't practice on that. You got to just lock in no, no, at he, the free throw line. Because he don't have a good routine. He's not comfortable at the free throw line. It's too late to change it now, though. Well, we, we're in the end of it. How you get better, man? Everyone's trying. Either you're getting better or you're getting worse. Right. So if he doesn't do that, and I believe that th that would be um, – I don't think LeBron is that way. When LeBron looks at his game, if you look at the weakest part of his game, right now it's free throw shooting. So what good does it do to draw all these fouls and go to the hole if I'm not going to be able to knock it no down? No question. I watched Joel Embiid last night. Knock him down. 7-21. 7-2. Seven, seven, mm -hmm. yeah. Knock down 20 in a row. Yep. But we're in, the, we're in the league now where you got shooting fours getting hack a shack. Roberson and OKC, they was hack a shack. So it's, it's a different league now. Right. The, the other aspect of this is things that are not in his control as far as will he win a title. You guys talked about things he can control, his body weight, working on his free throws, things such as that. I thought you might mention different ways to approach the young players, but I guess we don't even know if those young it players are on the team right. if they make the trade for Anthony Davis. That window's passed to do that. What? Oh, to, 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 to help, yeah, that window's players, passed gone to help now. the young guys. That's passed. So, Listen, you're pals with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant thinks I always talk negative about him. Gave Chris and Jenna the stink eye at a Knicks game because I talk negative about him. I'm going to say something very nice about Kevin Durant here. Kevin Durant right yourself. now. Don't hurt yourself. Well, Kevin Durant <laughs> right now has as much power over the league as any player has ever had going into an offseason. Mm -hmm. And it's, if he stays in Golden State, then this question might be a moot point. If he stays in Golden State, LeBron plus Anthony Davis – I don't think that's enough. Mm. It, you would need to hit a grand slam home run this offseason. Kyrie and Anthony Davis, and then maybe you can be the second favorite to win the title. But if KD leaves and comes here, we got 10 teams that go into next year thinking we can win the title. Right. It, it, that, that the Vegas odds will be as stacked as they have been since the NBA, Jordan's first year of retirement, mm -hmm. when there was eight, nine teams that legitimately felt they could win a championship. And it would get back to the era of basketball when you first came in, where to be a title contender, you needed two great players yes. and a good supporting cast. Like, that's what KD has the power to influence if he makes the move to New York City. I, but I, I agree, but we talk about LeBron. I ain't really worried about KD. LeBron, for the most part, 
don't like you say, okay, free throws, that's one thing. You, you can work on your game. But as far as the way he approaches every season, I don't think anybody does it better. You know, he locks in in the summertime. He come back. Like, if they would have made that trade, we wouldn't be talking about none of this stuff. No, I would still be talking about it. Because you'd be like, hey, man, what can LeBron do down the stretch? I'd be like, man, I'm concerned about his weight. I'm concerned about the amount of force on his joints. Oh, he's never been injured. Okay. Well, everyone's going to get injured and, at yeah. one point. And so, right. and see, to that point. The free throw shooting, I've been on that forever, man. Yeah. Because I'm an MJ guy. Mm-hmm. And this game boils down to at the end, I'm going to draw me a foul, and I'm going to go to the free throw line. It's the simplest form of basketball how I'm going to win. I and they it. call them free Mm-hmm. For a reason. Mm-hmm. If you're a seven-footer, you got ginormous hands, I'm willing to make some concessions for you. Yeah. But, man, when you're 6'8", and you're, your viability, we talking about who's the greatest player in the world, and one guy shoots 80%, one guy shoots 70%, stop, man. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, like, right. that, that's a real thing. Just real quick, on your weight point, it's something LeBron's done in his career as far as depending on the type of style he wants to play. We saw going into year two in Miami when he was going to make the commitment to go into the low post, he came in bigger than any point in his career. We saw him his first year back in Cleveland. He slimmed down a lot. So he has shown the ability to change weights. And if you're right, that he that he needs to get back to around the weight when he came into the league. I'm, well, let's just say this. We saw him get hurt at this weight. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's just say, well, what's the right weight? This weight or get heavier or lose weight, what Chris said? Definitely not get heavier. Okay, then. Well, let's just use some common sense. As you start to get older, your body cannot take the impact on your joints. He is human, just like everyone else. Look at any cross sport. Look at the elite of the elite, and look at them and see what size they are, what weight they're at. Tom Brady, huh? What weight y'all think he's at right now in physical shape he's in? He's a lot lighter than he ever was. Well, he's younger, too. He's got a, a fountain of youth going there. But <laughs> this is, man, this is what has happened in all sports. LeBron James, and I tell, just like I tell kids, like, Coach, what do I need to do to get better? And I say, are you going to listen to me? He said, yes. Well, I would never tell you to do something that you couldn't do. LeBron James can do this. That's why I would say that, because he has done it. When in Miami, he went to ride in his bike. He got leaner. There are other times where he balked up because of the style. He is capable of doing it. If he wants to be the greatest player ever, he's going to have to win another championship, and he's going to have to come up with a different style to be able to finish off his career. Now, Skip and Shannon break down the incident between Marcus Smart and Joel Embiid. That game. No, they had an 11-point lead um, at that point. They had an 11-point lead at the half. They had a five-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Now, unless Marcus Smart was going to guard Joel Embiid and keep him from getting 37 and 22, no. Maybe he could have guarded Jimmy Butler, but go ahead. <laughs> um, but Tobias Harris no, got it going. I mean, he did. Um, the thing is, with Skip, no, he did not cost them the game, and I felt that the Sixers are the better team. I feel that if they played their best, the Sixers played their best, and all the other teams in the East, the Sixers are the best. Um, and when you look at it, with Joel, because they have something nobody else has. Seven foot one and a half, seven foot two, 300 pounds, Joel Embiid. He's unstoppable. He said after, I'm the most unstoppable player in the, in the NBA. And he is. The only is. person that can stop Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid when he starts jacking up threes. Now, <laughs> that's how you stop him, Skip. But on the block, got no answer. Because if they start, everybody wants to start making a run, they can put him down on the block, and you got no answer for him. They keep talking mm-hmm. about Al Horford does the best job. Al Horford can't see this kid. He's too big. Now, what Al tries to do is bring him away from the basket, try to put some moves on him, tire him out like that, but they forgot that uh, Joel Embiid took the previous mm-hmm. night off. So yeah. he was rested, gave him 41 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. But Marcus Smart didn't uh, cost him the game. But what Marcus Smart might do, it might cost him a series. Because you do this in the playoffs, not only are you going to get thrown out that game, yeah. you might get suspended for the next game. True. So that might cost them mm-hmm. a game. 
But Marcus Smart being thrown out of this game, Skip, I don't believe it cost the six, uh, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the Celtics this victory. The Celtics couldn't make a shot in the fourth quarter. Kyrie had it going. The first three quarters, Kyrie was cooking. He was. And then in the fourth quarter, he couldn't buy a bucket. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody noticed this, Skip, <clears throat> but Jason Tatum mm. been disappearing. That show that you went to see in Vegas, yeah. was, there Jason, was Jason Tatum performing? Mm. Was he Chris Angel? Penn and Teller. Yeah, because he, he disappeared had, in the act. Yeah. He went up on stage and we, we didn't see him anymore. Well, he disappeared <laughs> in the last couple of games. Yeah. You know what I saw, my big picture takeaway before I get to Marcus Smart, because that was part and parcel of what I saw last night? I think there was a changing of the guard last night between these two teams. The last six close games they had played against each other, obviously dating back. Mm-hmm. The Celtics had won all six of them, in large part because Kyrie would just say, I got this. Right. Or Jason Tatum would say, I got this. Or Al Horford would say, I got this. They just thought psychologically they had Philly's number until last night. And it started to unravel to me early in the third quarter when Marcus Smart, look, look, I like I love him. I love his physical toughness. I love his mental toughness. Yeah. I like he, he, I just like his you're right, his energy. He I just like how his intensity. intensity. He plays hard, man. He he gave them their defensive identity over the last couple of years cuz it started with him. He was the the flashpoint of yes. the defense cuz he gets up into he people. Does. He, he can does. get up into James Harden and, and frustrate him. Yep. So think about what just what what we just saw and we keep seeing the tape of it. It, he he lost his poise, he lost his focus. He he basically lost his mind because he got frustrated. He had, you know he'd gone for a, a pass and they got tangled up and he was called for a foul. And then Joel got him back and and got him with he, the up, he, yeah. he caught him. Yeah. He got him. But but how do you respond to that? Because Joel just walked away. He right. turned his back and walked away. And I don't think he said anything. I couldn't yeah. see anything. Yeah. And what did Marcus Smart do? Remember. He's six feet, four inches tall. The other guy's whatever he is, seven, seven one, one, seven two. Okay. okay, and Marcus charges him from the blind side, and shoves him. Two hand shoves him. And did Joel add a little to it, a little flop to it? Probably he did. <laughs> did, did he exaggerate his fall? Yeah, yeah he probably did. Yeah. He tumbled, and he called it after the game a cheap shot because it, it was a cheap shot on the part of Marcus Smart. Because what you want Marcus to do in that situation. Is if you want to confront, go go get in his face and confront him. Yeah, tell him about it. Hey, Joel, yeah. do that again. Yeah. And then shove okay. him when okay. he okay. faces. But go go face him, yeah. right? Yeah. Even though you'd be looking up at him, <laughs> but go face him because th- this proves nothing. It solves nothing. It just gets you in e- hot ejected. water. You get you ejected because it, it's an ejection move. It's just like automatic. You're going to be gone in, yes. in today's NBA. Not in the old NBA, but in today. You're out. What's good? First of all, in the old NBA, he had pushed somebody down like that and oh, come oh, back slugging. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to trade punches before they break e- exactly. it up. Exactly. Okay? But that's not going to happen anymore. So he knows. He's, he's a smart kid. He has yeah. high basketball IQ. You're gone. You, you're going to give yourself up right, right. there. Is it going to help any? Is it going to send a psychological message to, to Philly that you ain't backing down? Well, you you Man, Marcus Smart don't play. Okay. Now you see Marcus Smart push Joel Embiid? Well, he pushed him from behind. He blindsided him, which proves nothing. It d- doesn't get you anywhere. So could they have used him down the stretch to defend? Yes. Well, sure they could have. What they give up in the fourth? They gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. That's not Boston Celtics basketball, nope. right? Nope. And now to my man, Kyrie. This is why I think two teams are troubled internally right now. Kevin Durant's got one foot out the door in Golden State, and Kyrie clearly has one foot out the door in Boston. 
the team knows it and the team doesn't love it. So you lose a little bit of unity. Okay. You, you, you lose a little bit of fourth quarter trust in each other. You know, it, it's deep what's going on. The mm -hmm. psychological connection that you have with your teammates. Obviously, that Celtics team down the stretch last year without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward, they were connected, man. They were together. They were unified. They all knew their roles. Now it's like, okay, Kyrie, I guess it's, it's your turn. You're on, right? Right. And as you said, one for six. And Jimmy Butler, I argued with my friend Chris Broussard on this show when it came down, you know, when it was back in, when was it, November, when he was, when was he was traded for. Yeah. And Chris Broussard said, boy, that's going to be tough on Philly because he's caused, Jimmy Butler's caused problems in his previous two stops, Chicago and Minnesota. Yes. Okay, is he causing problems in Philly where there's been a little bit of clash with Joel who gets the most touches? Right. But, but what you have now is you have a bona fide closer. Yeah. You have clutch closer. Yeah. And what happened last night in the fourth quarter is that Jimmy Butler closed a lot better than Kyrie closed. Yeah. Because Kyrie, I've always said, is the best closer right. in the game. Right. Well, last night, for whatever reason, he wasn't. He did get a step on Joel, and I thought he had him. And Joel just wheeled and, and blocked it with his left blocked hand. Blocked it with his left hand. And it was such an athletic move for a 7-1 or whatever he is. That's right? skill. It's unbelievable. And you look at hey. Jimmy Butler was phenomenal well, in the well, fourth hey, quarter. Hey, listen. Those big threes at the start. I'm going to, real quick, so he hits one with 840 to cut it to six when it looked like they were about to teeter and yeah. go down. And then 531, he cuts it to three with a three. And then 505, he tied it with a three. And then what's he do with 5.5 seconds left? Dagger, two-point jump shot, right? You got a guy that's a big shot taker and a big shot he maker. Not in the afraid. Most, not in the afraid. most dire of circumstances. Skip, he lost the ball. The ball almost went out of bounds because he tried to I make it. I thought he had lost it. Yep. And then he comes back, and, and so that's what you have. You have a guy that can hit big shots. Tobias Harris can make threes. You got J.J. Reddick can make threes. Ben Simmons. I mean, seriously, is there a better starting five than no. the starting five? No. I don't think no. so. No. And uh, and the thing is that Reddick and Ben Simmons didn't have a great night last night. Skip, he only shot the ball nine times. Yeah, he's almost becoming like a cog in the wheel. Like yeah. he's just another guy, but but he, he's a six eleven guy. But he's a triple double yeah, machine waiting to happen. Yep. And he got the three. They got the and one, and he made the free throw on he top did. of it. That was a big play. That, big big time. Yeah. They're going to be to deal with. Uh, but I don't believe Marcus Smart cost them the game. It was a dumb play, and you have to be mindful of those things, especially you know in what? the playoffs. It, it, it's not a championship team play. That's what it's not. It's just one of those plays where you say, what, what are you doing? It's like a bad team right. play mm -hmm. where it gets you nowhere, and you're better than that, as, as volatile as he can be, as emotional. He's not a high technical foul guy. No. He's not up there with Russ and Russ. AD and, <laughs> and those guys. Right. He doesn't do that. So usually he would pick his spot and make his statement a little better with a face-up right. instead of just a cheap shotty sort of push from behind. Following, Terry Rozier sits with Christine Leahy to discuss the Celtics season and his beef with the 76ers. Welcome to Fair Game. I'm Christine Leahy. My guest today plays hard at both ends of the floor and is all heart, as he saw in last year's playoffs when he earned the nickname Scary Terry, in large part for knocking down so many killer shots. From the Boston Celtics, Terry Rozier is here. Terry, thanks for coming in on an off day, first thanks, of all. Thanks for having me. These are thanks rare things for you to have, I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'm You're ready? ready? Yep. Okay, yep. biggest highlight for you, was it last year's playoff run or getting called up onto the stage at the Drake concert in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> uh, two different feelings, I would say. I mean, uh, 
You know, at the Drake concert, it was more like, you know, I'm ready to have some fun. I wasn't in basketball mode. I was ready to have some fun and kick it. Uh -huh. And he called me up there. Uh, his guy told me, so I was just like, all right, I can't, I can't pass this down. No. Last year in the playoffs, obviously, was I probably had the time of my life, you know, just having fun, doing something I love, and we was winning. So I'll probably have to say the playoffs. The playoffs. That's yeah. a good answer. <laughs> but, you know, you did kind of have to play a little basketball with Drake. You had yeah. to get in that mindset because, yeah. you know, this fan was counting on you to make exactly. him some money. And I missed all three. Drake told me to aim for the backboard. I think that was his way of me not stealing his money. Wait, you took advice from Drake on how to play basketball? He know, on. he'd been on tour for a minute, so maybe, you know, he knew the ways to put the ball in the hoop with that particular hoop, but I guess it didn't work out. Uh, what went wrong for you there? Because you know how to make shots. I was listening to Drake. I was listening to my coach at the time, and it didn't work out. So not everyone in their career has kind of like a full circle moment. And for you, one of the things that's so cool is when you were a kid, you used to tweet at Dwayne Wade <laughs> to watch your highlights. You love Dwayne Wade. And then now you get to play against him. You recently just traded jerseys mm -hmm. with him. What did he say to you in that moment? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we've, we've been, you know, cool for a couple years now. Yeah. I met him when I was in college, but, you know, he just basically giving me words of encouragement, you know, before the season started, you know, just wishing me good luck and, uh, you know, just saying it's a long season, so just have fun. <laughs> so, you know, he's just always there for the support, and it's just great from, from a guy I grew up analyzing it. And, and just watching all the time. Uh, I used to be in the gym. I used to fall down on purpose just trying to be like him. So, you know, it's just just to see that that progression to now trading jerseys is just it's, it's beautiful. I always wonder when, when you're a kid and you look up to this guy and then you actually have to play against him. The first time you played against him, were you, did that affect your game at all? Yeah, I was nervous. You were? Uh, yeah, I ain't, I'm not gonna lie. I'm out there, I'm just looking at him the whole time. Like, it's just, it's a whole different game. It's crazy. Now it's like, I wanna go at him one-on-one -on -one every time, so it's different. Well, let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in Ohio. It wasn't the easiest upbringing. Your mom had you when she was 19. Your dad went to prison for eight years, gets out, then goes back in. What was life like for you growing up? Uh, I had to grow up pretty fast. You know, I've seen a lot of things probably that kids my age wasn't, didn't see. Uh, you know, it's just part of my environment. It's just what I was around, just, and, uh, you know, just basically had to grow up fast, and uh, I had to make make things out of nothing. Used to always ball up socks and, and shoot around the house. Because uh, you didn't have a basketball. No, I didn't have. I didn't really have a basketball. Uh, you know, and that's just part of being a kid. You you always make your basketball. You shooting the, in the laundry <laughs> basket, something like that. So I used to always. That's what made me, you know, get started with with that. But obviously, you know, being with my dad at a young age, that's when I first started playing football. Football is my first love. Huh. So yeah. Is that kind of what gives you your edge a bit? Because you grew up maybe having uh, to see yeah. some things. Yeah, or just you know, just being, just having my dad's attitude, having my mom's attitude, them, them two mixture is just, I'm like a. They like both a have mom. attitude. Um, you've said that one of your biggest inspirations is your sister, who has cerebral palsy. She wasn't supposed to make it past just two months old, right? Exactly. What yeah. kind of inspiration do you get from her? Huge. Is uh, you know, just uh, see how strong she is. Uh, just to see her every day, you know, to be around everybody that you would say is normal, uh, whatever, but, you know, just to see how strong she is, you know, that's just always been motivation for me. Uh, you know, we came up together, so, you know, we got that relationship, true brother and sister relationship, so, you know, she's a true motivation to me, and she uh, she always texts me, and, 
and just giving me, you know, words of encouragement. So she does? Great. Yeah, always. What did she text you last night? Uh, she told me she loved me. Actually, I got her a text this morning, you know, the time difference. And sure. she was just basically like, love you. Uh, you know, I love the way you hooped last night and stuff. And, you know, she would tell me what I need to do, do better and stuff like that, too. So, you know, I respect And she you. tells you to do better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, so she's she told a... me when I need to do better, for sure. Okay. Yeah, so she's gotta, a critic, too. Yeah, you got you to gotta respect that, her and my mom. Okay, so in Boston, there's the guy who has the TB12 diet. We talk a lot about that diet. You have a very interesting <laughs> diet of your own. Um, I wouldn't. I heard about your diet. diet too. So my diet. Yeah. What'd you hear about my diet? Just know I heard some things. You heard some things. French French toast. Oh well, no, no. Listen, we're gonna get to that in just a minute. Okay. I eat, I eat clean. Oh, okay? you eat clean. I, I would say I eat clean now too. Sure. Okay. Because yeah. you have a sandwich. Tell me what's in the childhood sandwich. sandwich. A what sandwich? Childhood sandwich. Oh, a childhood me, sandwich. Yeah, even growing up. But I'll still eat it today. Exactly my point. Every day. Tell me what's in this disgusting sandwich. And this lovely sandwich is, is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is you know, it's regular spaghetti, big pot of spaghetti. That, like you know, with marinara? I'm, yep, you know, mixed in all together. All right. Meatballs, whatever you want to do it. You know, big big pot of spaghetti That's mom used to make food. at the house. Okay. And, you know, you uh, put a lot on the plate. First, well, this is how I do. I put my sugar, put a lot of sugar on it. I wouldn't say a lot, you know, whatever you feel some that you sugar. need. I'm a, yeah, some sugar. Whatever you of feel course. like you need, okay? Sugar on the spaghetti, and then, you know, mix it in a little bit, then you throw the ranch on there. You mix it in a little bit. You grab two, two, you know, two pieces, two slices of bread. You put it together. What? And you eat it, and it's just like. What made you think of this sandwich? You know, uh,. Spaghetti just growing, big pots of spaghetti growing up in the house, and we would have to eat that for like three days straight. We'd eat it, make it for dinner, have breakfast, Makes lunch, sense. dinner. Yeah, so you just sometimes you just get bored and try new things. Sometimes huh. some people like sugar, just sugar with it. Some yeah. people like just ranch. I got a new nickname you know? for you. What's You're no nickname? longer Terry, Scary, none of that. <laughs> You're Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Buddy Elf. Buddy the Elf. Yeah, I just seen that. People I, send me videos of that. I'm eating. All right, well, <laughs> we're gonna sound. see more of your sandwich, and I'm gonna show you a sandwich that I will make for you. Okay. Coming up in okay. a little bit. Finally, Steven Jackson joins Nick and Cece again to break down the 76ers' chances of making a title run. Steven, is Joel Embiid right that he's the most unstoppable player in the NBA? Yes, and he's and he's also mm. showing it on both ends. Last game when they played Milwaukee. Greek Freak had a tough first half because they had Embiid on him. Mm -hmm. Last night, he makes the big block on Kyrie. Oh, on the switch, so he, And he was dominant the whole game on offense. So he's definitely the most dominant player on both, on both ends of the court right now, and he's showing it on, on offense. Some of the moves he's making as a big man, putting the ball on the floor, crossing over, spinning, getting and Did ones. you see the dribble handoff, and then he cupped the ball and, and came faked back with, it yes. and crossed him? Yes, yes, you can't teach that. He's coming into his own. He should feel like he's the most dominant player in the league because he's playing like it right now. The, I know he made 20 to 21 free throws, 37 and 22. Everyone's going to focus on that part of it. The defensive play he made on Kyrie at the end, He's one of the only guys in the league that can do that. He was beaten. Yes. Kyrie got exactly mm -hmm. where he wanted to. And for Embiid to off the wrong foot. And he avoided him. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. he dipped his shoulder. Yes, got out the way. To avoid the foul and then get it with his offhand. Can't teach that. It was. And Tobias Harris knew it because on the celebration after Butler hits the shot, everyone's going over to Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris grabs Embiid. And says you did this yes, because yes. they were. It was this possession that led to the Jimmy Butler shot to ice it. He yes. is at the beginning of the year. See, when we did MVP picks, I said Giannis, you said Embiid, mm -hmm. and the argument for Embiid was 
if he continues his evolution now that the health worries are behind him, and I think they are, like yes, he hasn't had any course. lower body. He had the eye socket thing last year, but that's a fluke. If he continues the progression on both ends, he presents something no one else in the league does, which is his size combined with his agility. This is where the soccer background helps him. This is where you saw the Akeem comparisons when he was at the University of Kansas because he's a big man that runs well. Sometimes you watch these oversized guys run up and down the court and you're like, okay, well, that's not, they're going to have a ceiling because they're lumbering or they're not smooth. He runs like a six foot seven His guy. His work is great. It's unbelievable. And that's the, that's where Shaq was when Shaq was young. Yeah. Shaq ended up gaining weight, but the thing that Joel Embiid had, man, he's got that handle. Mm -hmm. Like Shaq only had a couple moves in the paint. Now he was diesel, but Joel Embiid from the three point line with the classic ball fake, putting it on the deck. Euro. Oh, I, I mean. <laughs> Like, it's, it's, it's almost unfair to be able to see the way that he's developed. He's one, the one, he's one of the most talented centers that we've ever been able to see. And because he has a, that electrifying personality, that's why I believe he's the next face of the NBA. Even the soundbite right there yeah. with Cassidy. He's got enough presence. He's a little tired, yeah. all right? Yeah. And, and he bends down, yeah. and he makes a list. He wasn't confused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he expressed himself. That's why he's going to be the face of the NBA electrifying personality. He's also coming into his own at the right time mm -hmm. with, you know, 10, 9, how many games left yeah, in the regular season? Yeah, 10 games season? left. They're now locked into the three seed. How, how, how big was this win for the Sixers last night? It, it was big because, you know, it was always saying Boston always come there and have their number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially in Philly. But um, the, going into the playoffs, you want them to play well. But this team... The way they won last night was big. Not only Joel playing well, but Jimmy being their closer. Mm. You know, uh, uh, Ben having some key plays down the stretch. You, you want everybody to play well. Uh, Riddick didn't even shoot that well, and they was able to win that game. So mm -hmm. to have your star players play well, going down the stretch, going to the playoffs, that's exactly what you want. And I still think, despite this win, Boston's a bad matchup for him. I've been down on Boston all year, but I, they play Philly very well, and the playoffs are a series of matchups. Now they don't got to play Boston. Right. The only way they play Boston in a series now, with Boston locked into the 4-5 and Philly locked into the 3, mm -hmm. is if they play, if both make the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what we want. What? Well, that's might be what you want. I'd like yeah. to see a Milwaukee-Philly Eastern Conference Finals, but neither here yeah. nor there. Yeah. The, the other part with Embiid, we spend a lot of time talking about LeBron struggles with the free throw line. If He's not going to hit 20 to 21 every game, but if he he's a reliable 20 to 21 is tough. That'd be he the should, greatest free though. throw shooter in NBA history, but neither here nor there. The point is, if he can hit 80-plus percent, which he's been doing, then in the playoffs, it's so tough because you can't foul him. Yeah. You, and his ability with the touch around the rim to create and ones, we know nobody's going to be able to physically match up with him. Like, Boban's the only guy in the league that might be able to look over him. And so there, there is a real utility to what he can do with the foul. Yeah, and not only he's drawn so many fouls, but outside of Ben Simmons, all the other four starters are shooting 80% yes. from the line. Mm -hmm. So Joel Embiid is eating those fouls. Mm -hmm. And then whoever you foul outside of Ben Simmons at the end, the they're going to be able to close you out because that's another effect on the game. The reason why I like is, is to piggyback off of your point is that, you know, styles make fight in boxing. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be a great team, you need to have a certain style. 
Joel Embiid going to grind it out for the first three quarters, and Jimmy Butler is going to be able to close them out. We need to give Philly credit, too, that they've grown. They've made a couple different trades. But since the November 12th trade of Jimmy Butler, man, he's increased his scoring every month. Starting in the month of December at 5.3, now he's up in March to 7.8 scoring in the fourth quarter. Right. So when you get those defined roles, it becomes easier for Ben doesn't have to score. He doesn't have to run the team in the fourth quarter. J.J. Reddick knows his role. Tobias knows his role. So I'm with you. Is The style for which they won, I believe, was very important. And to have now you have Tobias and Jimmy, you got two defenders on that wing now going mm -hmm. to the playoffs that they didn't have beginning of the season. So all that, all that's a plus for them. And I have some information for y'all because I got Jimmy, I got dinner with Jimmy tonight, so I have some information for y'all. Nice. Oh, tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, tell him I need some new Jordans. He gave me those ones the first game in Philly. Steven. He gave them to me off his feet. I was on the court. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.